Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to the No Huddle Show, a special hot take reaction show to the Philadelphia Eagles as they are now sit at 6-1, and one, the best record in the NFC. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always, Elliot Shore Parks, Matt Lombardo. They were there for Monday Night Football covering the Eagles and Redskins. The Eagles now slowly pulling away from the NFC East. Carson Wentz looks like the MVP. There's a lot of excited Eagles fans. We have a lot of reaction both on email and on Twitter we will get to. Um, and of course, you guys subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We'll get to, before we wrap up, we'll talk about um, all those great reviews we've gotten on iTunes, which I know makes Elliot happy. We'll get to that later on. Elliot, to start <laughs> us off here uh, on this show, it's just amazing how the conversation has changed around the Eagles in seven weeks. Now it feels like the national media is jumping on. It feels like everyone around the NFL is jumping on that the Eagles are a very uh, tremendous team and a special story form in this year yeah I mean when I was thinking about recording this podcast today the two things obviously I think we have to talk about are one Carson Wentz and then two the injuries and I agree with you I mean the Eagles are becoming like the hot team in the NFL and they're, I, even though they're number one on a lot of power rankings and I think you can make the argument for that um they're at worst like top three so I mean this is a legitimate team but I mean I guess we always have to start with Carson Wentz but I'm almost at the point with Wentz where it's like literally what else can you say I mean, I've done since the game, I've done TV, radio, I've done it in North Dakota. Now I'm doing the podcast. I've written about it. I've tweeted about it. And part of me is like, if there was something negative to say about Wentz, we would talk about it. But he's just playing so well right now. It's like everywhere you listen about him, it's all positive. And I can't remember the last time in Philadelphia, at least, there was an athlete where it was all of the praise he was getting as opposed to zero criticism was completely warranted. Yeah, it's it's all warranted. I mean, the play, the off the field, the leadership, the uh, poise, everything is there. Matt, if you had to pick one thing, as we you know, we could go through Carson Wentz's numbers. We could talk about the ridiculous plays on Monday night, the stretch he's he's had right now, putting himself to the top of the MVP consideration. If you had to pick one thing about Carson Wentz this season that's impressed you the most, Matt, what would it be? Yeah, guys, I think it's everything. I think it's 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 really the total package because I tweeted about this yesterday and I talked about it on the radio a little bit. I don't think that we've ever seen a quarterback go through the kind of rapid maturity and development and improvement 
in all facets that we've seen out of Carson Wentz. We, we can go back to Tom Brady, but Brady in his rookie year went on to win the Super Bowl. You think back to last season with Wentz, and he had 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and let's be honest, he looked like a rookie. You had Dak Prescott in Dallas lead the Cowboys to the division championship, and you can talk about his supporting cast and the, the better talent around him as compared to Wentz, but he looked like more of a refined, finished product than Wentz did last year. And I think back to the Bengal game, where Wentz sailed a couple passes over the middle. I can think to almost every single week, two or three decisions where you scratch your head, and that's to be expected. He's a rookie quarterback. But this year, I don't know that you can say that there have been two or three bad decisions in seven games. I look at his arm strength looks improved. His deep ball accuracy looks improved, and he looks more confident with the deep ball every week. He's building a rapport with almost every wide receiver on the team. A 64-yard touchdown to Mac Hollins on Monday night underscores that. And the, those Harry Houdini acts in the pocket where it's collapsing around him and he scrambles for 17 yards on third down, by the way, which sets up Nelson Aguilar, uh, the audible play where he audibled at the line of scrimmage into that route that led to the touchdown. That's a microcosm of Wentz as a quarterback and Wentz in terms of his development because he's a dynamic playmaker that Redskins players told me after the game. That play and the Corey Clement touchdown broke their back on third down. And pre-snap, his recognition is as good as there is out there. So I don't know that we've ever seen a quarterback or maybe even any player go through the rapid transformation and development that we've seen from Wentz from week 17 of his rookie year to week seven, week eight of his second season. And I think that's remarkable. And it's a credit to him and it's a credit to this coaching staff for getting him here. It is. And then if you look at just the numbers, I know Carson's much more than numbers. The the one that popped to my head, Matt, was, it was Peyton Manning year one to two. He led the league in interceptions. He struggled with completion percentage year two. The Colts go 13 and three and Peyton starts to become Peyton. Uh, it's a big comparison. But, you know, Elliot, yesterday I heard uh, Doug Peterson talk about how the the ability to lift everybody up. He was, he's reminded of Dan Marino. He's reminded of Brett Favre when he watches uh, what Carson does. And one of our first emails we got this week from a listener, David, in Norway, where he said he doesn't get all the Eagles coverage. But Norway. That's Norway, awesome. yeah. And he doesn't even know why he chose the Eagles as his team, but it's an exciting time to be his team, be his team right now. And his question was, how much of an impact would you say the fact that everyone on the team seems to like and love playing with Wentz has. Elliot, just that idea that, you know, what Doug was talking about with uplifting everybody, making everyone better. How real mm-hmm. is that when it comes to Carson? It's real. It's, I mean, it's completely real. And one thing I like to think about is like, how much does access really help a reporter's job nowadays? Just as a larger topic. But I will say one area that having access to this team really does help is being in the locker room. You can tell how much Carson Wentz has changed the, the culture here. Um, I've been covering this team and been you know, around them for six years now. And just the stability, I mean, I never think, I, I don't think I ever completely understood how much having a stability in the locker room at the quarterback position helped. I mean, we've talked on this podcast ever since it started about the Eagles need to find a quarterback. And we just kind of talk about that on the field. And it was apparent that nobody they had before Wentz even really had a shot to be a franchise quarterback. Um, but now that, you know, yeah, on the field, Wentz is that good. But off the field, just being in the locker room, I mean, you can really tell how much having stability at the quarterback position and having a guy that not only do they all believe in, but a guy that they think can go out and win for them and sets the right example. I mean, it sounds cliche, but 
they re- Carson Wentz has really come into the Novacare complex and changed things. I mean, you can feel the difference from now as opposed to the, the um, even in, even when Chip was at his best. I mean, you can just tell the difference that when there's a quarterback at the helm that people believe in, but not only that, a person at the helm that people believe in uh, as a player, it, it completely changes everything. Yeah, let me just add one thing onto that, Elliot, and it's kind of a tangible thing because all of those intangible things are true from a leadership standpoint and him grasping the reins of this franchise and becoming that vocal leader that you'd like the quarterback to be in year two is huge after 24 starts. But the tangible thing is, is Zach Ertz. This is the first mm-hmm. year in Zach Ertz's career where he's had the same starting quarterback week one of one season that was the starting quarterback of week one the following season. And you look at his numbers this year and it's really telling how much that bond between those two off the field and that consistency at quarterback is playing a role he's leading all tight ends and leading the eagles 39 catches 494 yards and five touchdowns and and you and i have both been big proponents of zach Ertz, and i think a lot of the criticism that he's taken over the last couple years has been wildly unfair and inaccurate but i think that what we're seeing this year is that consistency from quarterback tight end and it's only going to build these guys are all under 28, 29 years old. It's only the third year for Nelson Aguilar, and you've seen what he's been able to do in the slot. And as long as Ertz is here and Aguilar is here, and as long as Wentz is the quarterback, which is going to be for a very long time, this team is going to continue to rise and continue to improve, which is going to be something fascinating to watch. I wonder what it's like for for Packers reporters and Packers podcasts if, like, in year three, with Wentz is still here and playing well, if we'll just do a podcast every week and it's like, yep. He was really good again. I mean, like, I think part of the reason Eagles fans are so amazed by this is because they haven't had consistent quarterback play since, I mean, maybe 2008. I can't think of the last time. I mean, I know Foles had a flash in the pan there, but um, I think that's part of the reason it's such a huge deal here is just because we're not used to seeing anything like this. Well, I think it's because it happens so quickly, too. I mean, there's usually incremental growth and development when it comes to a quarterback. You don't see every week one element of his game get even better and then two elements of his game get even better. And he looks like that finished product after 24 games with still areas to improve. Like he can still get better from here. And I think that's what's most exciting and what has you most curious. Here's a question I'll throw up both of you guys. So I think we can all agree. I mean, the podcast, we're about eight or nine minutes in and clearly we're just talking about how good Wentz is again. But my question to you guys is, A, do you think he can keep it up? And B, has this team peaked? I mean, is this like they're six and one? I know we can talk about, you know, we're going to talk about their playoff hopes and the injuries and all that. But I mean, do you think Carson Wentz and the Eagles have peaked? No, I don't think they've peaked at all because I think that they still have very winnable games over the next two weeks. There are still some big games down the line, two against the Cowboys, which might not be quite as big anymore because they've built themselves such a cushion in the division. You still have to play Oakland. The only argument I could make for them having peaked is – they're going to get tested here, and and the road gets a lot bumpier and a lot rockier for Carson Wentz and for this team without Jason Peters and without Jordan Hicks. Just think of some of the pass rushers. You're going to see Von Miller in two weeks. You're going to have to go up against the Cowboys in Dallas, which is never a picnic. You're going to have to go up against Khalil Mack. You're going to have to go up against uh, Stray. No, not Stray. Wow, listen to that. JTP <laughs> and Olivier Vernon again in, in MetLife, and even though their season is kind of left for dead, they're going to want to play spoiler 
a little bit and play for pride. So that loss to Jason Peters, I think, is going to be huge. How the Eagles overcome it is going to dictate what they do the rest of the way and how special this season can be or winds up not being. And as far as Jordan Hicks goes, Elliot, we saw in that touchdown over the middle, I think it was Ryan Kelly who caught that little rollout out of the backfield and scored a touchdown. They targeted the middle of the field for a reason, and that's because Jordan Hicks wasn't there. So the Eagles are going to have to scheme up ways to hide whoever's playing middle linebacker and give help to Halapulavidi Vitae because that's it becomes a chess match now because two of your probably top 20 best players aren't going to be here the rest of the way, and that's a pretty big loss. You know, I think it's funny you mentioned Strahan. With the injuries the uh, the Eagles have now, we'll get to Jason Peters and you mentioned Hicks. I'm sure they'd rather ha- see you know Michael Strahan out there now, but almost right. 10 years after retirement, <laughs> than the guys they're going to have to go against. All right, let's get to some Twitter reaction, and then we'll start looking forward to everything and, and look at this team, specifically with the injuries and um, everything. As far as peaking, Elliot, I think... You know, probably realistically, after the next two weeks, their record will peak. I think probably look at them after the bye. Their record won't be anything close to what it is before the bye. But all that matters is they get enough wins to get into the playoffs. And then what they yeah. do there is, is going to be uh, is going to be what we talk about for a long time. All right. Look, one more group of t- uh, tweets we got here about Carson Wentz. Uh, and then I want to end with one I think is an interesting question, specifically off what you wrote this morning on NJ.com, Matt. Uh, Chris... At Chris, net 14. Eagles are the Super Bowl favorites right now. Wentz is the only quarterback in the league who escapes that sack and will be the MVP. Uh, at It's Me 138, the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, and right now the NFL, sky the limit, Super Bowl very likely with Wentz. And then uh, Mink Us was here uh, on Twitter. With Wentz, the Eagles have a chance to win any game. He is the top five quarterback in the league this season, his second season, and could still get better. Matt, we'll end with you because you actually had the quarterback rankings on NJ.com. I want to start with Elliot on this one. Yep. We we like to talk about Wentz in terms of the future, Elliot, and where he'll be. And mm-hmm. I think we, we did that a few weeks ago. We had our fun Khalil Mack debate and, you know, any player in the NFL. We rarely, so far in his career, because he's been so young, have actually ranked Wentz among the best quarterbacks in the league. You know, we, we kind of group him with, you know, Derek Carr and Mar- Mariota. Right. It's like, all right, in five years, who's going to be the best? Right now, where do you think he is? I mean, I would still have to put Tom Brady ahead of him. And again, I think just when I think about this question, I think about, you know, if they were playing, if if those two teams were playing this Sunday, who would I give the advantage to? I would still say Tom Brady. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you look just where he's at right now, I mean, I'm looking at the the, uh, stats for the NFL quarterbacks. Tom Brady's number one, and I think he belongs there. But Alex Smith is two. I think Carson Wentz is better than him. Carson Palmer, in terms of yards, I think Wentz is better than him. Rivers, Roethlisberger, Goff, Newton. Drew Brees is playing really well, but I would probably take him over that. I mean, I I think Carson Wentz is the second-best quarterback in the NFL right now. Now, you know, the NFL, as we all know, is a a week-by-week league. So in two weeks, we could be laughing at the fact that we had Wentz at number two. But I think it's it's Wentz is number two. And if you wanted to make the argument he was number one, I, I wouldn't hate it. But I think right now I'd still have to give the nod to Brady. With when with Rogers down and Brady's there, Smith's having a ridiculous year. Um, and it's, I'm, you know, I know you detailed, Matt. I mean, Alex Smith hasn't thrown an interception this year. Um, 
Drew Brees is still really good. Russell Wilson's still really good. Cousins is, I think, still underrated. But Matt, where did you have Wentz in your latest power rankings? Yeah, Elliot must have read the story this morning because I had uh, Carson Wentz number two behind Tom Brady. And I agree with Elliot that you can build a case around Carson Wentz being number one this year. And I was actually tempted to put him number one based on what we saw on Monday night, because I feel like he's only going to continue to get better because we still haven't really seen him connect with Alshon Jeffrey. We still haven't seen, you know, some of the, you know, a a comeback drive other than the giant game to win the game. There are still things that Carson Wentz can do that I don't have as many doubts or concerns or questions that he can pull that off. But I'm with Elliot. If you had to start a team this moment to win a game on Sunday, I'm taking Tom Brady. If I need to start a team in order to, you know, build a team for five years, I'm taking Carson Wentz. And now obviously the caveat is Aaron Rodgers not being healthy, but just think about what we're saying here. We're saying that Alex Smith, who is having a career year, hasn't thrown an interception, and up until uh, Thursday night had the Chiefs on even level with the Eagles and beat the Eagles, hasn't thrown a pick. We have Carson Wentz above him. We have Carson Wentz above Big Ben. We have Carson Wentz above Dak Prescott and above uh, Drew Brees, who certainly, you know, look out for the Saints. We want to talk about a team that could come in and upset the Eagles in a playoff situation. Look out for New Orleans. They're playing really well again. So I look at Carson Wentz, and he's only going to get better from here. But if you asked, told me in the beginning of the season that before week eight, I'd be doing these quarterback power rankings and Carson Wentz would be number two, I would have told you you were crazy. But it's just been that kind of year, and he's had that kind of a season. He's been unbelievable. I mean, however you want to rank it, two through five, somewhere. The fact that we're having this conversation, it reminds me of the one we had a couple weeks ago. That's the most amazing part, that we can have this conversation, that he's in this mix right now among the best quarterbacks in the NFL. It's why he is uh, an MVP candidate, maybe the favorite. All right, let's get to a a reaction here on email, uh, which I think leads us to a discussion about the injuries and, and what happened on Monday night for the bad. They lost Jordan Hicks for the season, went an Achilles. They lost Jason Peters for the season, and, and who knows if Jason Peters ever comes back now with a, a major knee injury. Jack sent us an email, said, Wentz shines, offense is rolling, but the loss of Peters is bigger than it all. Second most important player on this team, makes a serious Super Bowl run much more difficult. And he have a threw this in, Elliot. Big fan, ESP. I give yeah. you grief sometimes, uh, but you're a good dude. So let's go to you. Uh, first, your, uh, the praise there. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. that. I appreciate that. And second, um, the injuries there. Peters, they're both gigantic losses. There's no way around it. Do you agree um, on his take on the Peters loss and how big it is? I actually think the Hicks loss is, is tougher to replace for this particular Eagles team than Peters. What do you think about the injuries? So I disagree. I think that I think the Peters loss is bigger just because Hicks is a very I mean, look, I said I think Hicks is the best player on the defense coming into this season. So I you are preaching the choir about how good of a player Hicks is. But the reality is this. Hicks has now left three games this year in which he didn't finish it. Um, and yeah, the Eagles defense struggled against the, uh, giants at the end, but I'm not so sure that was simply because of Hicks. I mean, they were missing a lot of players in that game. Um, and the reality is it's easier to hide a linebacker than it is a tackle. And I'm, I mean, Halapuli Vitae, maybe he'll get the job done. I don't think he'll play at the level, the level Peters is. Um, but I think that's a bigger loss for two reasons. One, because 
if Vitae goes out there and doesn't play well, then you you are really in a pinch because maybe you move Lane over, but I think they're going to keep Lane at right tackle. But if you move Lane over to left tackle, then now you have two spots where you're unsure what you're going to get because Lane did not play well at left tackle in the preseason. Or if you decide to keep Lane at right tackle and you have to bench Vitae because of poor play, maybe you put Sayamalu out there, but Sayamalu was terrible this year. So I know there was a guard, but I mean, I think that's generally as he's not a very good player, but so if all this goes wrong and the offensive line starts to fall apart, all those, you know, 10, 12 minutes we did talking about how good Carson Wentz was, that's now in danger. I mean, Wentz, obviously we've seen is, has the ability to avoid pressure and make amazing plays, but that is not a way for this team to win consistently. Wentz is not going to escape a pile of four Redskins defenders every week and run for 16 yards. And it's not fair to expect him to do that. So if the offensive line falls apart, or at least doesn't play up to the level it has been, that's when I really think you could see this team start to have issues because as impressive as Eagles 6-1 start is, it's almost all because of Wentz. And if Wentz doesn't have the time to to do what he's been doing, things are going to get ugly quickly because the rest of the offense, the skill players outside of Ertz and, and Aguilar are not playing that well. Yeah, I think this is going to cost them a game, and it might cost them two games at some point throughout the, the course of the season, which that could determine whether or not you have home field advantage in the playoffs. That could determine whether or not you get a bye. And I, I've talked to Lane Johnson about this even before the injury. I talked to him Monday night in the locker room afterwards, and he keeps stressing the point that it almost doesn't matter whether you're playing right side or playing left side as a tackle because coordinators are going to scheme and find a way to expose the weak link on an offensive line. And that sounds kind common sense, but we saw that firsthand against Carolina. And the Eagles did a really nice job when they started leaving in some extra help for Vitae at right tackle. Brent Selleck stayed in a little more. The running backs had to chip a little bit more. I, if I th- remember correctly, I think Wentz was sacked three times in the first half, wasn't sacked at all in the second half, but coordinators are going to now overload Vitae's side of the field. Whether he's playing right, whether he's playing left, that's just now an issue the Eagles are going to have to deal with. You're going to have to leave Brent Selleck in there. You have to play more 12 per personnel. You're going to have to leave a running back in there to chip. It's going to change the way the offense functions because Jason Peters, in my opinion, was playing at a higher level this year, even than he played last year before the injury. And coordinators are now going to go and try to expose that. So I think both these injuries are huge, but I think Jason Peters' loss might actually cost this team a loss or two. Ian sent us an email and he said, do you think that Howie tries to make a trade before the deadline, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, for a more talented middle linebacker to replace Jordan Hicks. Do you think they counter for Hicks' injury by simply playing more nickel defense? Elliot, I think you were alluding to the, the backups or uh, the games they lost Jordan Hicks and they were able to get through. I, I think that Bradham and Kendricks, when he's healthy, they're fine. And those two linebackers yeah. can make a lot of plays for them. That's an interesting thought. They played nickel last year a lot with the two linebackers with Bradham um, and, and Hicks and, and no Kendricks last year. They probably could do some of that again. Do you think Howie tries to make a move here, Elliot, uh, around the deadline to add something? I mean, look, you can never count Howie out because he's a guy that makes a ton of trades. Um, The two things I'll say is uh, I have three thoughts on that. Um, The first would be just they're going to have two roster spots open, but when they put Peters and uh, Hicks on IR. So they have the space to do it. It's not like if those guys hadn't been hurt and we were talking about making a trade, you say, okay, well, you're also going to have to cut somebody. So you do have two open roster spaces to play around with. The issue is this team, to add a player of substance is going to be tough. I mean, 
players that get dealt on the deadline are never really dealt for high picks, but the Eagles don't have a second or third round pick. Um, they're not going to be getting that third round pick from the Patriots and the Eric Rowe deal. They have, I think, three fourth round picks. But since you don't have a second and a third, you need those fourth round picks. Um, I would be surprised if he made a deal of substance. I mean, maybe you see him trade a conditional late pick for a bottom of the roster guy, another another team. But I think they're they're more likely to make them if they're going to make a trade. I think it would be at tackle as opposed to linebacker. I think they'll go with the guys they have because they have Kendricks because they, because they have Bradham. But the one thing I, I was I was thinking about this morning was back in training camp we got a chance to talk to the linebacker coach. And I asked him, I said, you know, as of now, who would be your backup middle linebacker? And he joked, well, can you play? So I don't know if he's since changed his opinion <laughs> on what he thinks of the backups. But um, if they don't feel comfortable with Kendricks there, and I know they've played Bradham there a little bit too, I don't think they are very big on the idea of putting Joe Walker uh, or Najee Good out there for, for a considerable amount of time. And I can't imagine they would be. I mean, Matt, you mentioned it a few minutes ago. In that game Monday night, it got lost in the shuffle. The fact the Redskins moved the ball. Cousins had a big day thrown over the middle. The defense let some points in at the end because, you know, Wentz, because 6-1, and one, because primetime. It all got lost in the shuffle. You saw, and it was pretty clear how teams are going to attack the Eagles when there's no Jordan Hicks out there. They're going to throw the ball over the middle. Yeah, absolutely. And they, the Eagles are going to have to find an answer for that. And whether that's bringing Malcolm Jenkins up closer to the line of scrimmage in some sort of hybrid linebacker role, we saw him do a really nice job in coverage of the tight end on on uh, Monday night. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I think what we're going to need to see from this team is what do you do with middle linebacker? I, I don't think they can make a trade. I, I'm with Elliot. What, what are you going to trade? Three fourth round picks? You, you can't continue to mortgage future assets and high picks to bring in a player now. Now, and I don't even know what kind of value a second round pick in 2018 brings you as far as the caliber of player you get back to help this team right now. So I think the, the best case scenario is Michael Kendricks gets healthy and you slide Nigel Bradham into the middle where I think he might be better suited. I know he's having a career year right now playing on the outside and he's made a couple of really nice plays, both in terms of tackles and big moments and interceptions. But I think you move Nigel Bradham into the middle and you put Michael Kendricks at the outside outside and let him do his thing, you know, making plays laterally and covering running backs coming out of the backfield because teams are going to find it just as much as you're going to overload the right side of the field or the left side of the field, wherever Vitae's lined up, teams are just going to start dinking and dunking over the middle and maybe even worse than that, finding the seam where it was locked down with Jordan Hicks because he's so good in all facets. Eagles have to counteract that. It now becomes a chess match for this coaching staff. So the counter, the counter I would make to that is I agree that they, it's going to be tough to make a trade because of their limited assets where I disagree though is if I'm the Eagles and I have an opportunity to add an impact player like let's say I, I can't think of any at the top of my head but let's just say I know that's one a good name sign right yeah yeah <laughs> well I was gonna say yeah right but one, one name that's been floating around on Eagles Twitter um, and it's not a, a source or in a report but just people are talking about well, maybe Joe Staley the tackle from the Niners mm -hmm. um, you know let's say they want to go into sale sale mode and you can get him for a fourth round pick well, I then would, you do it. You yeah, do I that would, without without even thinking twice. Right, but right. I don't know. I don't know that San Francisco is just going to give him away for a fourth round pick. No, but I get. But I guess my point I would make is this: is if I'm the Eagles, I'm not as concerned about holding on to draft picks for the future as I am worried about winning this year. Because if you look at the, I mean, the Eagles' opportunity is now, and you know this whole idea that they're going to 
look, I like Wentz a lot, but this idea that they're going to make the playoffs every year, you just don't know because there's a ton of there's going to be a ton of changeover on this team the offseason just because of the way the cap situation is, the amount of free agents they have. Guys Dallas are, isn't going to have Zeke hanging over their head every year. The Giants right. aren't going to be yeah, this it, bad forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I think this is a telling stat. So I, I looked this up. There's only been one, two, three, four, five, six teams in the NFL that have made the playoffs more than two years in a row right now. And two of those teams are the Patriots and the Packers. They've made it eight years. But outside of that, the Steelers have only made it three years in a row. The Seahawks have made it five years in a row. You're looking at the outside of that, teams don't consistently make the playoffs. So if you look at the Eagles right now, you look at what the situation is in the NFC, how good Wentz is playing, the fact that they already have a 6-1 and one record, the fact that home field advantage is theirs to lose right now. I think if I'm Howie Roseman, I'm sitting here and I'm saying – you know what, if it takes a fourth round pick or two fourth round picks and I feel like I can add a player that's going to help me this year, but maybe also with the future, but mostly this year, I'm willing to trade those picks and not worry about the future as much um, as it's, you know, maybe other people would just because I think the Eagles have a shot to win a playoff game, make it to the NFC championship game. And that would be huge for this team's development. And as valuable as draft picks are, I mean, we're talking about fourth-round picks. Donnell Pumphrey was a fourth-round pick. They traded up to get him in the fourth round. And I know Matt Collins is as well, so you can make a counter for each one. But if I'm the Eagles, I'm more worried right now about making sure I can win this season than I am about the 2018 draft. I'm, I'm with you. you. I'm, I'm with you. you. But, well, but the I thing won. is that if, if, Joe, both... if Joe Staley is valued at being a third-round guy, I'm not just going to trade a second-round pick because I think he could help me for nine games this year. I would rather – find a way that in the 2018 well, draft is a bit of a different example because right. they also have a long-term need at left tackle, but, but I, they, I see they, they do, but I would much rather use that second round pick next year to trade up and get a Mike McGlinchey or a Connor Williams or one of the top tackles that's going to be there for 10 years opposite of Lane Johnson. Look, I, I'm with you. If, if you can get Joe Staley for a song, or if you can bring in somebody that you know can help you, or at least stem the tide of what could happen in terms of teams blitzing you, by all means, go get them. But I'm not going to overpay to maybe help me win one playoff game this year when drafting a franchise tackle in April could set me up to compete for Super Bowls yeah, for a I, decade. I agree. If you told me I was going to draft a franchise tackle in 2018, then yeah, I wouldn't make that deal. But my point is, that's a hypothetical. And what I know right now is the Eagles are 6-1, and one, the rest of the NFC is banged up, and you, you know, if they win one playoff game at this point— that playoff game is probably going to be a second round game because they're going to have a bye and they're going to be yep. one game away from the Super Bowl. So, yep. and again, like with all the turnover that's coming, I agree on the larger picture that it's going to be tough for this team to make a deal simply because they don't have a lot of picks and they don't have a lot of tradable assets in terms of players. Um, but if I'm the Eagles, I would strongly, I if, if a team was willing to deal a guy that I think is going to step in and solve my problem at left tackle and lets me keep Vitae as a backup, I am willing, I'm willing to deal. Like if it takes two fourth round picks, if it takes, you know, a third round pick in 2019 or whatever it is, I'm going for it this year because Wentz is playing at an elite level and the doors are opening. Right. And- I think we're having two separate conversations because if that's all it takes, then by all means you go and do it. But if it takes future second round picks or if it takes a first right, well, round how about pick- this? Would you trade your 2019 second round pick for Joe Staley? <sighs> You know, probably not. Years old. I, I don't think I, I don't I think don't. I would only because I could use that second round pick in 2019 potentially to get into the top 10 to get one of the top tackles. 
Yeah, it's and a tough question. Factors 33 makes it a little more difficult. But, I mean, to get back to this Peters thing, the Eagles have a serious issue on the offensive line. And I wrote about this before Peters even went down. I mean, Peters now is – I mean, he's 35 now. He'll be 36. He's going to be recovering from ACL injury. You have no idea how he's going to recover. But outside of just that, I mean, is Wisniewski your guard of the future? What are you going to do with Kelsey? Are you going to keep laying it right? I mean, they have a lot of issues on the offensive line, and they don't have a lot of assets to do it. So – the Joe Staley thing, the fact he's 33 would would turn me off of that a little bit. But if I have the ability to add a guy that I think is going to be a solid player at a key position for three years, I would consider doing it because the window to win with Wentz, as you see with a lot of these quarterbacks, is not big. I mean, a lot of really elite quarterbacks win early on in their career, unless you're a guy like Tom Brady where you win five and you know, you're winning them all the time. But, I mean, Roethlisberger won early in his career. Wilson won early in his career career Rodgers won early once he started playing I mean he sat for three years but this window to win is not super huge um so if I can get a guy that I think is going to protect Wentz's blind side for this year and next year I do think I would consider I would consider it yeah couple things off that because we are almost having two conversations even though we're traveling down the same road so I'll throw one thing on each side of it um, I, Elliot, I agree with your larger point you never know you never know if you're going to have this opportunity again or when it's going to come back and I think we had some reaction here um, on Twitter saying, you know, maybe pump the brakes one week at a time. It's hard to do that. And this is the reality. Since 1990, when the NFL went to this playoff format, 89.5 percent of teams, 77 out of 86 that started six and one or better through seven games made the playoffs. They're going to go to the playoffs barring yeah. a complete collapse. Twenty seven of those made the Super Bowl. 14 won the Super Bowl. So the odds say they're in that mix. They have a chance to win the Super Bowl or get to a Super Bowl this year. And you don't know when that's coming back. We've seen a lot of teams get there, their young quarterback, and then, you know, it takes them a while to find themselves again. The second part, I know you guys were trying to find a name. Staley kept coming up. I think it's tough to even imagine this because with the way the NFL set up, how many teams are ready to throw away their season or if they're bad, ready to give away their left tackle and stunt development of a young quarterback. I, it's hard for me to find more than a couple teams that you might be able to, you know, get a team to give away a left tackle. The Colts are really bad. They don't have one. The Browns just lost Joe Thomas. And I don't think they're ever trading with the Eagles again after what happened with Wentz. <laughs> um, you know, and the rest of the teams that are bad, the Niners, that's the obvious one with Staley, but I don't think they either have something to trade or, they're probably not ready to give up on their season. Like a team like the Bucs who, you know, thought they'd be good. They're probably not ready to give up. It's, it's tough to find a match. It, it would be tough for Howie, I think, Elliot, to find that right match, even if he wants to. Yeah, I mean, he got a first-round pick for Bradford, so I'll never question him of ability to you know, get a steal of a trade. But, no, I agree. That I think... also helped that Teddy Bridgewater shredded his leg in 15 different places. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they, they were desperate and thought that they could go to a Super Bowl and didn't want to stare down the barrel of Case Keenum being their quarterback, which now they kind of have to anyway. Well, I was but say, at that I at that time, at that time, they thought that they could get there with Bradford. So, Howie, great move, but he was also a beneficiary of circumstance in that one. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think trading a first-round pick for Bradford's always a bad idea. But, I mean, I, I agree. that. But the overall point is, yeah, it's going to be tough to swing a deal for a player this year that's going to have an impact. If Howie does it, I mean, Matt's brought it up multiple times. He His name is maybe in the conversation for GM of the year. If if Howie gets a trade, swings a trade for a guy that helps them, you know, move to 13-3 and three and clinch a first-round bye, then I think you seriously see that because – Outside of Joe Staley, who's really just a name, I mean, it's hard to think of any guys they could go and get that you would say, all right, this is a guy that's going to ease the loss of Peters or Hicks.
So let me get this straight, just so I, I have it all together, because it's it's hard for me to wrap my mind around after the different ebbs and flows of the last you know year or so. So the Eagles, and I, I don't disagree with you, Matt. I, I do agree on Howie. The Eagles could have Howie Roseman win executive of the year. They could have Carson Wentz be the MVP, and Doug Peterson could be the coach of the year. Is that where we're at now? It's like and the then, 2001 Sixers. Remember, uh, AI wins MVP, yep. Dikembe Mutombo defensive player, and Larry Brown coach of the year. Eagles are in the mix for the trifecta, guys. They really are. And they might have a chance to go to the Super Bowl and win their first Lombardi trophy. I can't wait till week 17 podcast. <laughs> We're talking about this team at nine and seven. And <laughs> <laughs> so we'll say now. But well, you know, that, it, okay, it'd be a different okay. conversation then. All right, let's wrap with our final email. A question here. Just looking forward to this next week. I know you guys will do your preview podcast, but do we think Ronald Darby could be back? What's the latest on that? Uh, Ian asked uh, about Ronald Darby in an email, um, and maybe should they now keep him out with the little cushion they have until after the bye? Elliot, what's what do we think on Darby? Uh, well, so the Eagles are going to they'll, they'll obviously practice this week, and we'll see how much he does. He was limited for most of practice last week. I think he probably does play against the Niners. Seems like. You know, they said he was close to playing last week, but he didn't even warm up on the field before the game. So I don't know how close he really was. Um, that being said, I do think he plays against the Niners. And as I've said, I don't think he's that big of a difference maker. So everyone's excited for him to come back. But I think Mills and Douglas have played at a pretty good level. I think they've probably played at the level that Darby did last year with the Bills. And now you have him coming off a long break from an ankle injury. So maybe he re- he returns to the form he had his rookie year, but... I think that's far from a guarantee. So everyone's excited for Darby to come back, but I'll be interested to see how big of an impact he really has. Uh, Pro Football Focus, who we all love and quote, has Jalen Mills rated as the number 85 cornerback in the NFL. So I I think that Darby has a chance to be, if not this week, because I I don't know that I would start him once he's healthy. I think he'll be active this week. Whether or not he plays remains to be seen. But by the time you get to that Dallas game after the bye, Darby's got to be a starter, and I think that you put Mills on the other side and you rotate Rasul Douglas in and you leave Robinson as the nickel because he's done a really nice job in that spot. But I am I think that when Darby is fully healthy, you have to play him. He's your best. Oh, he, yeah, I agree. Though I agree <clears throat> when he's healthy, they're going to play him for sure. I'm just saying I'll be interested to see how big of an impact he really has. We shall see Eagles 13-point favorites over the 49ers coming up Sunday. Elliot, you want to give a shout-out to uh, our iTunes subscribers and reviewers? You keep asking for them. They keep coming here. I know. I was going to say I wanted 200 by the time we get to Dallas, but we're already at 160 that I'm looking right now. So I'm going to keep with the 200 by Dallas, but it seems like we might get past that. But, yeah, I appreciate everyone that's been going and doing it. I read every single one. I appreciate the five stars. I appreciate the people that said that they hate me and now they like me. I'm sure when the Eagles start to lose, that will turn back around. But I appreciate all the reviews. If, you know what? It will turn around, but that's okay because people are listening and we appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate all your, your views. Keep them coming. We'll keep bringing these podcasts every week. You guys will have the uh, preview podcast for the 49er game, and then you'll talk afterwards. And we'll be back next week with another hot take reaction episode. Matt, as always, thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Looking forward to next week. Thanks, Elliot. Yep. Talk to you guys soon. And thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of the No Huddle Show right here on NJ.com. <laughs>